I will admit there is a little bit of schadenfreude with this one. Or is it schadenfreude? Whatever the German word is for joy derived by the misfortune of others. Is that mean? Oh, well. All right, mate, it's Madigan. Thank you so much for checking out my channel and this video. If you want to help me out, I'm trying to reach a thousand subs. Please do hit subscribe below. I know it's a punish to create an account or just to hit subscribe. I understand. So if you do it, thank you so much. If you don't, I totally understand. Now, um, there is an Australian women's sport primarily played by women on a professional level. There's pretty much zero uh, professional males playing this sport, but it's called netball, a sport that I do not find exciting. This is my personal opinion uh, or entertaining in any form whatsoever. But earlier on in the year, as I reported on way back in March, uh, a couple of the netball players, professional players, uh, decided to take to social media and um, say that they didn't want their major sponsor because their major sponsor happens to provide energy via fossil fuels. And that's a bad thing, according to these players, you know, because everything has to be green. Now, the purpose of this video, which I'm going to get to a little bit later on, I'm going to expand on the netball players, is this starting to be more definitive proof that social media and or Twitter is not real life. So stop believing what you see and what's fed to you via these algorithms and start actually living in the real world. So, rewind again back to the netballers. They said to a major sponsor, we don't want your money, we find your money dirty. And then she went, all right, I'll, I'll take away my money. Then the Victorian uh, government decided to uh, take away taxpayer funds to fund these players. So... What's the latest update in this? The Super Netball League has zero players contracted for the 2024 season, with every player's agreement set to expire at the end of the 2023 season. This comes as a result of there being no valid collective player agreement, CPA, from Netball Australia beyond September 2023. Each player in the Super Netball competition and the Australian Diamonds have no clarity on their future beyond the current season, which ends on July 8th which includes those named in July's World Cup squad. Catherine DeLulio, sorry, General Manager of Talent and Marketing at TLA Sports Management, says the situation is detrimental to the athlete's mental health. Imagine not knowing if you'll have a job in two months. Imagine uh, if you might have to move interstate, live apart from your partner, or be told you should retire. Imagine the stress and anxiety of that uncertainty hanging over you. Now imagine trying to play elite sport, representing your country even, with that going on in the background. Well, I have thoughts on that. Maybe, just maybe, here's, here's, here's an idea that you might want to get out to, your, uh, to all the people that you're, all the players that you're managing. Um, don't sh on the major sponsor. How about that? As we sit here right now, there is no 2024 Super Netball season because there isn't a signed CPA. That means 80 uh, contracted players have no idea what they're doing at the end of the season, which for those who don't make the finals will be mid-June. That goes for the players who will represent Australia at the World Cup too. 
A CPA is a guideline for contract negotiations, which clubs use. So the eight teams are at the mercy of Netball Australia. In March, Netball Australia CEO Kelly Ryan admitted that the sport was still trying to recover from a debt of over $4 million. Staring down a financial hole following the Gina Reinhardt decision to pull $15 million of sponsorship dollars last year. The $4.2 million is the debt that we have and we need to repay, Ryan said at the Super Netball launch early this year. At that time, the union stated Netball Australia does not intend to raise Super Netball player wages in 2024 due to the debt they faced. So that's all I'm going to leave it there with at the moment. So it looks like uh, this is a rod that they've built for their own back and there's a possibility that this sport might actually die on a professional level. Now, the thing is, um, actually, I will go back. Um, At the time, the union said Netball Australia does not intend to raise Super Netball players' wages in 2024 because of the debt they face, which I just read. Players were given a pay rise of up to 22% last year following a lucrative broadcast deal until 2026. So there's a broadcast deal uh, that nobody watches. With the promise, netballers would remain the highest paid female athletes in any domestic league, even though nobody watches female netball. But the uh, but female cricketers have already taken over. That's because people do watch that. Not a lot, but more people do. Uh, there's no more money for the players through 2026, which aligns with the broadcast deal. We are not aligned with that approach and we'll be working with Netball Australia and we've requested financial information and we hope to come... To the table to discuss that, Australian Netball Players Association Keith, uh, Chief Executive Catherine Harvey-Williams said at the time. Radio. Um, so basically, they might be able to play through until 2026, but it appears that this is not uh, a lucrative sport whatsoever. Now, that's not really the, uh, the, the main reason that I'm talking about this. Uh, the overarching theme that I want to focus on is... Basically, to stop believing that what you see that's fed to you via algorithms uh, is real life. And we got the best example of this uh, this year and not so long ago. And yeah, I'm going to bring this person's name into it again. But this is an article by Rita Panahai, and I think she hits this on the head. Australian corporations, including professional sporting bodies, should be Wary of the fallout from the Bud Light saga. The brewing giant, sorry, the brewing giant thought it could push LGBTQI activism masquerading as diversity and inclusion. What actually happened was devastating uh, reputational damage. Beer brand Bud Light has learned the hard way that the adage, go woke, go broke, reader, I need to correct you here, it's get woke, go broke, isn't just a cute line, but it can quickly come a brutal economic reality. That's something for Australian corporations, including professional sporting bodies, to keep in mind as they contemplate involving their brands in the highly contentious and divisive voice debate, which the NRL, the National Rugby League, the sport that I love, have taken aside, which I'm so annoyed about because they shouldn't be taking sides. Bud Light, the dominant market leader in the US, has had a horror six weeks, including Uh, after indulging in some reckless corporate virtue signaling, the company thought it could push LGB2 activism, diversity, inclusion, which would endear to the left and increase the brand's appeals in the new markets. What actually happened was the devastating reputational damage coupled with plummeting sales and market value. After initially defending the decision to use 
Dylan as Bud Light ambassador, arguing that the partnership would help authentically connect with audiences. Bud Light brewer Anheuser-Busch, which makes uh, its full-strength stablemate Budweiser, tried to backtrack madly, but the damage was done. Within weeks, Anheuser-Busch has lost $7.4 billion in, va- in value as beer drinkers boycotted the brand en masse. The disastrous sales figure has endured. Uh, has endured. The damage is so profound that this week's financial giant HSBC advised client not to purchase stock in the beer brand's parent company because of the Bud Light crisis. It said management's response to it and the loss of unprecedented volume and the brand relevance raises many questions, HSBC stock analyst Carlos Laboy, who downgraded the stock of the parent company, wrote. Why did its US leadership underestimate the risk of pushback given... Uh, the recent experience of other firms. Is AB hiring the best people to grow the brand and gauge risk? If Budweiser and Bud Light are iconic American ideas that have long brought consumers together, why did these marketers fail to invite new consumers without alienating the core base of the firm's largest brand? And that is precisely what has happened. In its eagerness to show its progressive credentials, the brewer alienated the customer base that made its brand a laughing stock, teaming up with controversial activist Mulvaney, a clownfish figure who appears to mock womanhood, doesn't appear to, actually does, and has monetized their transition to girlhood, was always going to end in tears, but the company's woke marketing executives were blind to the risk they have now been placed on leave perhaps permanently uh i'm just going to leave it there because they basically just repeat things over and over again that's what Rita does uh but she's spot on this should be a wake-up call to all brands uh especially here in australia and to all sporting codes that if you've got people within your company who are starting to espouse diversity and inclusion and all that sort of business Uh, Be very wary of them because the people don't like it. Now, usually, a lot of these um, boycotts usually go by the wayside. Uh, They've been tried before, and a lot of the time, a lot of people just go, you know what, no, that's not for me. But it's interesting that it took a beer for this to actually really wake people up to the fact because that was just something that's just so minute and basic for your average uh, consumer, that they said, you know what, enough is enough. And Dylan has been on Twitter lately going, oh, I'm, I'm having, you know, I, I, I didn't understand the, the mental, uh, sorry, I didn't understand the backlash to all of this. It doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, that's because Dylan has been fed nothing but algorithmic um, reinforcement that's deliberately pushed by these big social media giants, Twitter included, um, that this is the way to go. But if I'm running any sort of big uh, corporation, a big business, a big brand, if any of this stuff comes across my desk, the immediate answer should be no. And I want the sporting codes to heed that warning as well. You learned the hard way last year with the NRL, the National Rugby League. It's a football league here in Australia where one of the teams, my team that I support, stupidly decided to hijack 
a round. So they ha- every now and then they have some themed rounds for the sport that I follow, the National Rugby League. And the team that I follow decided to hijack the round in order to push all this diversity, inclusion, and equity. Die. That's exactly what happens to your brand. In, uh, your brand. A little bit of a uh, Freudian slip there, Brandon. Uh, that will exactly what happens to your brand. It dies. This is the perfect example. And it includes other virtue, uh, other virtue signaling rubbish, like from the netballers who said, well, fossil fuels are bad. We don't want your money. Now your sport's dying. So please, enough. Look, there is definitive proof. Social media is not real life. Twitter is not real life. Your average person cannot stand this rubbish. And the people that you're doing this for and catering to actively hate you because their attitude is do what we say or else. Whereas your average person is, what are you doing? Uh, You know what? No, no thanks. That's not for me. We'll We'll just go somewhere else. It's really, really that simple. I don't know. Am I right? Am I wrong? Let me know. All right, mate. Thanks again for checking out my channel and this video. By the way, there are audio-only versions of these episodes, so if you don't have time to watch, you can always listen. You've just got to search out the Brian Madigan. I'm on all those platforms listed there. Spotify and Apple, that's where you can find them. Leave a like. Leave a five-star review. And, yeah, let me know below with a comment. Are we done? Yeah, we're done. 